Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Study Podcast from RFC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am alright, thanks man. I think I've got a mild cold. A mild cold? Yeah, I say I think because it's really confusing because I've not had one for like two years. And uh, obviously, I just don't really know what to do. Isn't so it I'm a relief? For- taking the whole week off. <laughs> Isn't it a relief to have a cold or a cough that's not... It's not the bug. It's yeah, not- I mean, I need to test again, but I, yeah, and yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. I was just like, "What is this? What is this?" Like <laughs> the sniffles. Did I have the test? And I was just like, "Are you drilling for oil up there?" I was just like, it was "Oh so- yeah." Oh, oh, God. Well, that makes me wonder when I do like you know self tests and stuff whether I'm doing it right because every time I go and have a test by someone who's testing, mm. and they really get up in that nose. The test for me is always if my it's eyes water. Sentence. If my eyes water, then that, I know that's the right one. If I feel like I'm on a journey of self-discovery, then it's the right amount. Well, actually, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why I started doing more rigorous testing when I had to do my own ones. You know, I was just like, if I'm not feeling as stressed as the last five minutes in an Atletico Madrid game, then I've not done this properly. Yes. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Lateral flow Madrid. <laughs> Which is such a stressful team. What our main topic will be today. But anyway, how are you? I'm good. I'm very well. Um, I am in the UK, obviously, I think I might have mentioned I'm in the UK briefly this week. Um, and it's just nice being back, seeing friends, seeing family, uh, and just being in the same country as a lot of people who I very much care about. That's always nice. Um, otherwise. And not in the same country as me, which I imagine (laughs) kind of proves the previous sentence. (laughs) It does. It does very much. Even when I try and get rid of him. I still have to talk to it twice a week. <laughs> Got some of my mum's cooking as well, which is a joy. Oh, nice. Yeah. That poor dinner last night, I saw it. I was like, this is, this is not long for this world. That thing didn't last long. So, yeah. Oh, man. I, I'm, I'm ready to make a big soup this week. Shout out to Sean Yu, formerly of the Ringer Parish. Yes. I love, you know, big on the hashtag soup season online. And he inspired me. 
He's been I do follow some great foodies, actually, I've got to say. There's a woman I follow called Saratu, and Saratu basically has this hashtag, Saratu Eats, S-A-R-A-T-U um, Eats, and just posts these incredible like meals and recipes. I don't cook any of it, I'm just watching it, but I mean, she cooks some great stuff. So yeah, check it out. Check it out. Tweeters, or you have on the, <laughs> on the Twitter. <laughs> mm, can't wait for our new podcast called Foodio. Indeed. It's going to be great. Don't even, you know, don't joke. That's the thing. Anyway. We'll do, we'll, we'll, yeah, there was a, shouts to Abba Sassari who wrote that amazing thing for the Stadio site about the Bass Derby and the food of the Bass Derby. Right. There's definitely something we have to do in the future about games and food. No, I see or that. football and food, for sure. But anyway, on to today's show. And we hope everyone's staying safe and well, getting vaccinated if you can, getting that booster if you can. Uh, theringer.com forward slash soccer. Make sure you check that for any football pieces. Also just theringer.com in general. I've, I've been listening to, well, so I, what I did this in the last week or so, I binged watched Succession. Typical Rye style. Waited till the season was done. Watched it afterwards. All in one go. I've been going back and checking episodes of The Watch with Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald because mm. they did like episode by episode things on Succession and Prestige TV as well on The Ringer. It's been really cool because I do really, I'm really impatient with stuff that's released week by week. So I quite like waiting wait until it's all done and then yeah, just watch I'm like the whole that. thing. I'm like that. I, the binge yeah. thing is definitely the way. So I'm, I'm glad I did that. I finished Succession on Saturday. Oh man, it's so good. Just it's so well, good. Well put together TV is something, because I've been thinking about this a lot, like, you know, this is a conversation for another time, not for the podcast, but great. I wonder so much like if great TV has replaced like great novels in the public consciousness. But in terms of like the character development and the way they're discussed and the the range, because my, my obsession has always been how can you reach the biggest possible audience with character development and TV just Mm. does that so, so well. Um, Well, just the bar has been raised, hasn't it? Over the last decade or so specifically, I think, I think what is now considered the norm is, it's no disrespect or anything that came before it, but I think we, you know, you, you're allowed to have a deeper level of storytelling. I think across and, and it was, stuff, it was stuff, like HBO Sopranos, stuff like Sopranos it. and Wire like changed. I think in it's terms HBO, of writing, they were the people that basically decided the moment the moment HBO decided specifically them. They decided, hang on a minute, why can't people watch feature film quality every single week? The moment that was decided, it was game over. It was just it, it changed everything. Mm. Right, his house this week will be Jeanette Amioa and they're going to talk AFCON, they're going to talk WSL and they're going to talk a little bit about Arsenal because right, he was there on the weekend. Mm. So we're going to swerve that stuff for today. I think that it'll be more of a generic AFCON conversation because um, you'll have a Ghanaian representative and a Nigerian representative and the past week has seen, I kind of suggested maybe they should talk about just the state of the right his house WhatsApp group. <laughs> Can I just say, as as someone of Ugandan heritage with absolutely no skin in the game, it has been extremely interesting to see, how can I say this, uh, a premature counting of chickens? (laughs) You are, basically, if there was going to be a, um, a kind of an AFCON updated version of the sickos. Yes, yes. It'll just be Musa <laughs> watching AFCON as a Ugandan through the window. Yes. It's incredible. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Chaos and none of it affects me. None of it at all. Delightful. So yeah, that will go up on Wednesday and Stadio will be back on Thursday. All right, so today we're going to start in La Liga. Then we will talk about the Premier League 
relegation scrap and title race, which seemed to, hmm, I don't know, the discourse seemed to open it up this week, although not a huge amount has changed. But maybe we'll touch on a little bit of Serie A as well. Absolutely. But mainly, mainly Tammy. Yeah. And we'll give a quick shout to the Bundesliga. All right, man, let's go to Madrid because Wondermonium. Yes, yes, absolutely. A specific type of chaos and drama that happens at the Wonder where things become a little bit more complex than they probably should be in theory. And then everyone leaves, whether you win, lose or draw, completely exhausted. Media, players, fans, coaching staff, everyone. Atletico Madrid 3, Valencia 2. In a fixture that I think has been, I wouldn't say overlooked, but maybe underappreciated in the level of spikiness that it quite often delivers. It kind of had the full narrative arc. Valencia going 2-0 up and, you know, Atleti suffering, looking like it was set to continue. Their poor run of form, their run of form has been, let's say, patchy at best. It's been catfish is what it's been. Really? Has it though? It has been. Should we not have known by now though? We should have. And also, I can't, it's hard to remember. Actually, no, that's not true because I support Manchester United. Um, Such an assortment of excellent parts where the fit is ill. If someone had said to you, for example, I saw the great Kevin Williams um, on Twitter talking about Atleti's defence being porous. And I thought to myself, that's a sentence. If someone had said to you four years ago, oh yeah, Atleti will have a porous defence and Oblak would be stressed under pressure from all his shots and I'd be like, no, that's just not a thing. That's not, I'd have laughed at a suggestion like that. But there you go, Atleti being entertaining in all the ways that a team is not trying to be entertaining. Um, but still pulling out the victory. I mean, incredible. It was the final few minutes where things really kind of got dramatic because Yunus Musa put Valencia ahead with a really lovely goal, actually. Beautiful low drive. He's still only a teenager, right? Yes, yeah, 19 wild. years old. Yeah, yeah. And, um, great player. He's a great player. He's got big things ahead of him, I think. And um, Hugo Duro got the second one just before half time. And Atleti kind of, they kind of looked done, if I'm being honest. I thought, all right, this is it. This is, this is going to be more discourse about Simeone. Champions League is going to be a real struggle for them now. Yeah. Especially because Betis had won on Friday night as well to kind of cement that gap. Great win for them over Espanol. Yeah. 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 Um, Mateus Cunha came on, scored a tap in to get Atleti back into the game. There was 25 minutes left on the clock, 26. Um, And then two goals in stoppage time, kind of quite, not quite as close together as Spurs' winners, well, equaliser and winner against Leicester last week, but not far off. Angel Correa getting the equaliser in the 91st minute. And then uh, Mario Hermoso surprisingly popping up at the back post for (laughs) tapping. Poachers finish uh, in the third minute of stoppage time at the end of the game to, to win it for Atleti. I mean, <laughs> the only football tweet I wrote this weekend was that, you know, Pepe Bordales has probably re-aged again after this game because <laughs> it is someone who, as uh, we have mentioned many, many times before, has, um, I say, aged rather 
Yeah, remarkably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> remarkably well. And yeah. I think, you know, he, uh, there's been actually quite a lot of talk about Pippa Bordalis in terms of, um, you know, he kind of really slimmed down, went on a really good diet like 10 years ago, lost a load of weight. And then, you know, I think, you know, just had uh, some stuff. Do you think you there's know, a little bit, the, of, a little bit of beard dye? I think. I'm not think sure. I don't think not, we have to consult implants. legal on that. Yeah, you know? not, not not implants, but just a bit of dye. A bit no, of yeah, a bit of you know, just kind of looking after himself a little bit more. And um, it wouldn't have surprised me if he'd come out for that post-match interview, grey, <laughs> fully grey. You know, kind of like uh, actually on a, on a on a succession tip, like when um, Jeremy Strong actually turns up for press interviews and he's got grey hair that mean, was kind of he what goes, I imagined he goes, like, he goes great Ellis, because like, of the stress of like just being that guy's son no no he he dies <laughs> he dies his hair for succession and then he's actually grey in real life so I kind of imagined like Paul oh, Dallas to come out for the post-match interview just grey grey beard <laughs> kind of grey everything because it was complete like I remember watching the game when the when the equaliser went in and seeing Simeone kind of I don't even know how to how to explain it he was so frantic on the touchline. Mm. I sat there thinking when Correa scored, just being like, this must be exhaust. This is exhausting. Like this is, this, as, as someone who isn't an Atleti fan, mm. who isn't a Valencia fan, complete neutral, not from the country, watching as an appreciator of the league, I found it exhausting. I find that watching Atleti exhausting. And I know we've made many jokes about the suffering is necessary, but I kind of sat there when the when the equalizer went in, and I was like, "Is it? Is it though? Is it actually?" Because I was looking at Simeone, and he was looking. He looked like. Do you know what he looked like? It looked. It was like he looked like someone trying to direct a mass evacuation in like Cloverfield or something like that. What, do like you know a, what I mean? Like an Emmerich, an Emmerich movie, like 2012. Yeah, just, 20, yeah, yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. Or like, you know, where there's a big super monster on the loose. Like he can see it behind everyone. Everyone's running towards him and he's trying to kind of like figure out what to do. And he, you know, it was just, I was just looked at him being like, the, the energy and the emotional strain that you must ex- like exert for each game. Yeah, because every game is different. is that? Well, I, I think you've mentioned a great point there because um, it's exactly like that a mass evacuation only it's a mass evacuation every single week and every single week the threat is different and the exits are different like mm. and this is the problem it's a com- i was thinking about uh you know thomas tuckle at chelsea right now and thomas tuckle is basically like he's still rotating his front three and at this point be a miracle if like he settles on a front three but the thing the difference between Ooh, tuckle i want to talk about that though because i was thinking about something the difference between tuckle and um simeone is they're both frantic with Tuchel, there seems to be an end goal, right? You can see what it's evolving towards. I mm. look at Simeone's Atleti and I still can't work out what the ultimate plan is. Is it going to end up as a 4-4-2? Will it end up as a, a 4-3-3? You know, is it going to be a 3-5-2? Or, I don't know if he knows because we know that he likes a structure. Cunha's come in and that is a hell of a glow up for him. I know that Atleti is struggling, but they're still like, they could end up fourth. And Joao Felix started, but it's not about him starting, it's the fit, right? It's the fit. Mm. It's not so much like whether he starts or not. Or, you know, the other day um, I was watching the Wolves Brentford and I saw them talk about Adama Traore's goal return. And I thought, ah, oh, that's really low for a player of his quality. And it got me thinking about Gerard Felix and going, like, his goal return at this point of his career should be a hell of a lot higher than it is. This is someone who is blessed as a finisher, is mm. extraordinary and should be, should be topping goal scoring charts, in my opinion. 
in a different team. <sighs> yes and no. I remember writing that piece for The Ring about a year ago about uh, Jal Felix and he, how that kind of added by was opening up a really interesting potential mm. development as a player at Atleti. And he got COVID and he had a load of injuries and it kind of just, his form just fell off a cliff, much like Atleti's actually. And there's definitely, I think, if you look at the last year of Jal Felix, I think it would definitely be fair to say that there hasn't been the level of progress that we saw maybe in the six months prior to that going into the back end of 2020, Mm. for sure. And I wonder whether that's coincided with, I think we said it either last week or the week before, about how they're they're really stacked at that Touching on that disaster movie theme, it's like trying to escape somewhere in a fucking Lamborghini and like the roads are falling away in front of your very eyes. Yeah, you're in an absolutely sick car, but you actually need a helicopter. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is my problem with it. No, and I I love that you draw that analogy, but I think what spoiled me, I think what spoiled me is is Pep. The knowledge that there is a manager out there who is primed to get the very best out of Joao Felix's attacking talents. The knowledge that that manager exists out there in football and then seeing him at Atleti, it's like, these are prime years for you. Like these are Mm. prime years and I'm just not seeing it's not just that he hasn't kicked on, it's just that what he does is not being maximised. Mm. I'm a bit concerned about that, to be honest. I mean, I'm concerned as well because it feels like at the moment that Atleti game by game are putting out fires and that's no way to really develop a team. No. Especially no. a team that won the league last season and, and arguably has the best squad in La Liga. Right. Atleti are underusing and underutilizing the people at their disposal. Now, I wonder whether that might just be the fact that Every game is so exhausting and everything does feel a little bit too chaotic for Atleti. Like the, <clears throat> the diff- I think the, the main thing I would say, the difference between this, this Atleti and the Atleti of maybe like six, seven years ago, maybe the one that won the league before last season. Right. Um, the last time before last season, sorry. 2014. Is yeah. the, the chaos was controlled and they were the people who controlled it. Yeah. The chaos now feels outside of their control and I'm not sure that they know how to deal with it when it arises. Now we're saying this in the game that they came back from 2-0 down and 1-3-2. It feels a little bit bizarre, but I think this is one of the things about Atleti at the moment. Like this could have easily just been 2-0 and done. Yeah. While there are positives to draw out to draw out of the game, this isn't sustainable. This this way of playing football is just not sustainable for anyone who is really genuinely looking to either regain the title, which they're not going to do qualify for the Champions League which isn't guaranteed it's a big few months for Simeone it a is. big few months and yeah. it's a big few months for Atleti because we've seen this season that La Liga and the, the future landscape of La Liga is wide open probably yep. more so than it has been since maybe the early 20 maybe early 2000s I'd say maybe when Deportivo were up there doing their thing I think right. it's 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 really there and Sevilla are a prime example of that. Sevilla are, for the second year running, stepping into the second half of the season towards the back end of the season and their title change challenge kind of peaked in trough last season but that's two years in a row that they have been closer to the front runners probably than they have been for a long time. Betis, up in third, cemented their place in third at the moment currently because even if any of the teams behind them win their games in hand, I think Betis will stay third. You know, this is a this is a different looking La Liga than we're used to. And arguably the side or the club that is most set well, the squad, let's say, that is most um tooled up to dominate has kind of 
without sounding too harsh, it's kind of fucked it a little bit. Absolutely. I was disappointed by how the Champions League campaign ended um, and how they've gone sideways. And obviously there's the replacement of Luis Suarez, you know, that's, mm. that's going to be a big deal just in terms of what he means in terms of occupying the front line. I think they'll be fine because they've got Correa there who's very good. Cunha's come in, obviously Felix, you mentioned before, and Carrasco, you know, they've got goal scorers. Um, yeah. But I'm just interested how they manage this sort of next 18 months, really. But yeah, that's how I, that's how I feel. Um, we mentioned Sevilla. They actually drew with, with Celta Vigo to all, but they are um, four points behind Real Madrid, who also drew this weekend with Elche. Good comeback. That Elche gave them two very tough games, actually, in the cup and now, yeah, here as well. Um, Kareem Benzema missed the first penalty of his entire career. That blew my mind. That blew I mean, my mind, that stat. Well, no, for Real Madrid, was it his first of his entire career or just for Real? Yeah, he's, he'd had 19 out of 19 up to that point. That blew my Leon mind and when Madrid, I that I stat. And then yeah. Modric got his first in La Liga. That, that's not a surprise because there's like 10 penalty takers ahead of Modric. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Militao with a 92nd minute equaliser, salvaging a point for Real Madrid. Uh, we mentioned Betis with a big win over Espanyol on Friday night. And Barcelona managed to scrape past Alaves. In the first half of this game was probably one of... It was a hard watch. It was tough, man. Yeah, it was oh tough. It was God. a tough watch. Yeah, oh it was a God. very tough watch. And, um, but Frankie de Jong, man, like Frankie de Jong getting another crucial goal for Barca. I think there's something... There was a stat about Frankie that highlighted, it was not to start, I forgive me, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it kind of hi- it highlighted but how crucial Frankie Dong goals are for Barcelona. And I think that this is a really, this is the really intriguing thing about Frankie Dong is the fact that like, we've said, probably since we started Stadio, maybe not long after, but Barcelona really need to give the keys to that midfield to Frankie. As much as Bus- Busquets has had a bit of a, had a bit of a revival last season, especially for Spain in the Euros. It was but, stunning. It was stunning. Yeah. But, 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 but. Again, we're talking about long-term, long-term development of a club. There's a reason why Frankie de Jong is, is, uh, one of, is, is a flippable asset, you know. It's because he has potential and he has potential to run midfield. And he's a really He's in, even though he hasn't, we've said it before, I think you've said it before, like how that transfer hasn't really worked. He's still been more low-key crucial for Barca than a lot of people give him credit for. And here was another example of that. Watching know? him combine with Messi in the Copa del Rey mm. final was like, it was a really beautiful moment of like, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, like, you know, that thing, we'll, we'll always have Paris. It's like, we'll always have, athletic club in that Copa final for him the way that him and Messi combined I saw that and thought that that's the future mm. that's the future for Barcelona if they keep that and that honestly he at his best even for Barcelona in an unfamiliar sort of tactical setting or an unusual tactical setting he is spectacular um, the sad thing of course is as you say rightly with Busquets like Xavi there's just no real way that Xavi can not start Busquets the way that Busquets has been playing in the setup that he likes and there's also no way you can keep a player of the quality of, Busk, of um, De Jong in the shadows for too long. So, of course, you keep him on the field because he gives you more on the field than off. Um, but I don't know, this is a funny one. Barcelona might need to have faith in 
in their own process and be like, look, we'll let him go because we're going to get a midfield configuration which will work for us. Like, mm. We will have midfielders that will do the job. We will find players and we run our ranks that will that will deliver. Dude, you got Gavi, Nico and Pedri all there. This is the thing. Is there anything else in the league you want to touch on? No, that's good, actually. I think we're good. No. We're good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just very quickly, in the Women's Spanish Super Cup final, Barcelona oh beat Atleti 7-0, hat-trick for Caroline Graham Hansen. But there was a lovely moment after the game where Barca players circled around Virginia, Tori Killer. It was their first appearance for Atleti since having surgery for a brain tumour. So despite having won the game at full time, Barca players all went round her and lifted her up in the air and threw her up in the air. Like, you know how people, t- players do with coaches when they win a trophy. Yeah, the pep thing. Yeah, it was just yeah. a really lovely the moment. Bumps. Just a really, really nice moment. But Barca... This is revenge as well, because this time, I've maybe beat them last year on penalties. Mm. Um, so this was like a real kind of like, this was a payback. Uh, yeah. And Barcelona, like Graham Hansen in particular, they're going to regret disrespecting Barcelona with all these like team of the year awards and like individual awards. It's an absolute joke. <laughs> because here's the thing. I think those things matter. Weirdly enough, I think that the disrespect by those awards not being given mm. galvanizes the players more than the respect by them being given. You know, the way that Barcelona have been disrespected by, you know, team of the year awards, it's just, come on, like Graham Hansen's coming for everyone. Yeah. Got, a, got a hat trick here. I think a hat-trick and three assists, actually, um, and just mm. ran the show. Uh, anything else in Spain you want to touch on, or should we just take a break? Uh, no, I think we're good. We're good. All right, man, let's go to the Premier League. Let's do it. Where would you like to begin? We could begin at the bottom. I think we should. Yeah, so Watford Norwich. Watford nil, Norwich three. Watford retaining Emmanuel Dennis, uh, who didn't go to AFCON to help power their goal threat. And that did not work out particularly well. Um, the goal threat came from Norwich. Josh Sargent got a couple, including a spectacular opener, um, a back heel, a sort of floated back heel lob. And it's a brilliant improvised finish, a very kind of Giroud type thing where the ball is coming behind you and you have to adjust. And what mm. I love about this is there was no kind of commentary of, did he mean it? Because you see him clearly watching the ball onto his foot. I think in the last few years in the Premier League, I think that commentators have eventually come round to believing that, wow, you know what, actually, we have so much talent in this league. Maybe all the incredible things happening are deliberate. And we saw this again with, remember Benzema's amazing goal at the Euros against, I think it's Switzerland, when he's running and he, the ball comes behind him. Mm. And he brings it into stripe, that incredible back heel. The Josh Sargent goals feels of that quality of touch, really spectacular. And I thought to do that in a game of this importance, because he has struggled for goals, Sargent, um, to do that, to play with that kind of freedom in a game of this importance, I thought was really striking. Um, yeah, so great, great win for Norwich. Yeah, out of the relegation zone. I mean, this is the thing, the tricky thing about the table at the moment is just that it's because of the big discrepancy in games. It's just, right. it's hard to really call. But this where, is the thing though, relegation zone is different. It's points in hand because it's unlike- you the relegation zone is built different. It's built different. Listen, it's, <laughs> it is, it's weird because I have a, a, short, a small theory. If you're chasing the title, you're a good, you're a team with like ample resources and you're like going at it. So you're Chelsea, Liverpool, City chasing the title, those particular teams, and other and you've got games. You know you've got games in hand. That's better than being bottom of the league with games in hand because you'll just take any points you can get. 
So the, mm, the beauty true. for Norwich, the beauty for Norwich at this point is just having those points. Doesn't matter about games in hand, like they're on the board. Mm. Because as we can see, I mean, who really would have had that pegged a Norwich 3-0 win? That's pretty resounding. Yeah, it's really interesting though, because the only other time they won games this season were back-to-back wins in the Premier League. They have back-to-back wins in the Premier League again. And they've got to go for wins because their goal difference is, frankly, horrible, like minus 32. Mm. They've got to go for wins. So in a, in a funny kind of way, Norwich are, they're in a lucky position. They've got clarity. They're like, we need to get wins. Draws mm. won't get us out of this. And a funny kind of way, certainty like that is what might get out of the mess. Um, what didn't help Norwich was that Newcastle got an essential win over Leeds. Yes. And I, you know, I, I love Leeds. I'm not going to sort of, you know, harangue them too much, but there aren't many times you could say that's legitimately a bad result uh, for Leeds, but this, this is a bad result for them. Yeah, um, Newcastle should have had a penalty as well. They should have. And they, look, I've got to say, they were good value for it. Um, mm. They were impressive, played on the front foot. I mean, Leeds had a lot more of the ball, obviously, but I think considering that's what you kind of expect Leeds to do. Leeds are to possession what Brighton are to XG. There was a point last year, I'd go to FOTMOB and just look at the stats, and I think Leeds were, I can't remember Leeds not having more possession. Mm. There's, there's only one game when I checked FOTMOB where Leeds had less possession than the opposition. So you expect them to have the ball, but their problem is they generate a lot of heat, but not enough light. Yep. There was a miss by Dan James at the far post. And I saw that and I thought you to myself, a couple, right? I mean, it's one of those ones where you hit it with the left foot and it's in. And I just think we talk about like um, Brighton's sort of striking woes or striking challenges, problems, but Leeds are a key one. And the, the strange thing for me is I just can't see how they're not a team that, I look at a club like Leeds and I think, how are there not a ton of agents on the phone going, we can give you something incredible. We can, we should be throwing, if, if you're looking at Leeds and the way they play and, you know, Leeds is a town, Leeds is a club, Bielsa is a manager. I can't imagine, I suppose it's a money thing. It must be a money thing because the kind of, Leeds play such good football that we forget that their resources are not actually that ample. And so I have, a, I have the impression that Leeds, you know, if we, if we talk to Leeds Sporting Direct, they'd probably be like, do you know what? Actually, those names are all on our list. And we're like, we're, Leeds are basically like a kind of, um, they're one of those like companies, they're like a regional law firm, which has got incredible clients and whatever, but they can't offer you more than like 100K for partnership. And the city law firms are coming in going, yeah, like we know what you're doing is incredible, but we can offer you like 700K. And I mm-hmm. really think it's, I think it might be wages with leads, like in terms of the level of quality they can offer, the players they want are all just going elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, the thing is though, they, I think when everyone's available, they're fine. But they've yeah. missed yeah. so many people this season. Like Calvin Phillips has been out since what? November. No, December, sorry. Patrick Bamford has been out for a while, and they are two major components of that side. I think any team in the Premier League would miss Calvin Phillips. Mm. And any club would miss their first choice number nine. The fact that both haven't I mean, Bamford's been out what he came back for one game, but he's been out since basically since September. So I think with Leeds, it's just about kind of maintaining until they get everyone back. And hopefully that'll be sooner rather than later because they don't want to be dragged into a scrap towards the end of the season when the league levels out and when everyone's played the same games. Absolutely. And there's a couple of clubs there I mean, in the round the mix. I mean, Everton have to be a bit careful as well. Yeah, I mean, they lost to Everton Villa. have to be a little bit careful. Um, yeah, I still think Everton will be okay. But I don't know why my, my gut is saying that, but I just think they will be. Um, 
But it was a good win for, for Villa against Everton on really good Saturday. Yeah. Stevie G poking his tongue out at everyone. Mm. He was he was <laughs> He's so naughty, man. He's no, he he's is. very naughty, Stevie G. Yeah, yeah. He knew what he's um, doing. As are a load of fans who were throwing stuff. Naughty, naughty, naughty. There's been a lot of this recently. There was some in this Chelsea game. Arsenal fans recently as well. Um uh, Spurs fans throwing stuff at they've thrown loads of light there's just loads of lighters going at Antonio Rudiger no need for that yeah no need yeah. don't throw stuff at players it's bad throw your contempt don't throw anything like more than contempt throw something yes yeah. yes yes very very quickly uh, Graham Potter was absent through Covid and thus Brighton did not win the HD battle <laughs> I thought you'd see that <laughs> I, Mate, I see everything see much like the drone that was hovering over Brentford that stopped the game <laughs> on Saturday I could not believe this who did they figure out I haven't seen anything about this but a game was stopped for 20 minutes in the Premier League because, like Brentford against Wolves because of a drone hovering over the ground I've got a hot take about this I think it was the was same it Bielsa? Do you remember that? No, <laughs> I think it to a new level. <laughs> do, you, do you remember? No, he'd be more subtle. He'd be more subtle. I think it's also Bielsa would send a human. He's old school. He'd send a human to spy. He wouldn't send a drone to Over spy. Over the fence with binoculars. Do you know what I think this drone yeah. was? Do you remember that drone at Gatwick that shut down mm. the flights a bit? I think it's the same drone. I think this drone is actually. I think this drone is trying to feel something. It's trying to feel something. Like, because it's the only explanation I can think of because the drone at Gatwick. We never ascertained what it was there for. Was it spying? We didn't know. This drone here, like, isn't just, oh, I want to experience lightness and being above something and just, maybe it wasn't even observing. It was just passing through. It just pops up every now and again. And yeah. then it's an event when it does. It's yeah, like, exactly. it's, like a, it's like a flying electronic bank. I can relate. I can, to be honest, I can relate to the energy of that drone. I can relate to it. I'm like that. If I was a drone, that's what I'd do. Yeah, but you'd pop up more frequently than that. You'd pop up far more frequently than that. <laughs> yeah, but come on. Top. It's been ages <laughs> since that Gatwick drone. <laughs> Behave. Can't keep music quiet for that long. The thing, that, the thing that slightly concerns me about this is that now that people know that a drone will stop a football match. Like a wasp at a barbecue. Just like it's just its presence is enough to kind of ruin everything. It does. Yeah, it does. Whether, whether it comes after you or not, it's just like as soon as you see one, you're just like, oh, let's God, change the energy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, the game continued. Wolves won 2 1. Love, two lovely work goals as well. And Thomas Frank got sent off, which I'm not going to lie, as bad as an example it was, I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoyed how frank Thomas Frank was after the game when he said you know the ref booked him and then uh, I said you should give me another one or something like that Or, but apparently it wasn't for that it was the fact that I turned around and was aggressive towards him so you know quite a few little sort of coach bands player bands at the moment aren't there mm, mm. I'm here for it to be honest I think managers getting around. sent off is I prefer managers getting sent off than players getting sent off by a mile. Just because like, there's no contact and it's just more pantomime, isn't it? It's more pantomime, it's I just, suppose. It's kind of hilarious. Although... It's ridiculous. Do you remember that weekend in Serie A where four yeah. managers got sent off on a, one Sunday? Oh, yes, like they were competing. <laughs> Fucking unbelievable. And then Simeone got sent off for Atleti that night in La Liga. I, that, do you know what? That might be my favourite day of the season so far. I mean, I'm not a betting man at all, so let's not... But what would the odds have been on that? I don't know. Ask whoever put that all that money on an Arsenal yellow card. Oh my God. Yeah. Don't get me started. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, we'll talk about Arsenal right his house. Let's talk about Manchester United's last minute winner over West Ham United. I mean, 
this was classic. Was it's funny? I got a message. Shout out to Paul Lansorge, um, who is a brilliant uh, former podcaster now out in the world doing wonderful things. Um, Paul sent me a DM and he said, oh, you see, like United win by uh, Marcus Rashford crashing the box, crashing the penalty area. And this is a tough one for Rashford, like uh, the last um, few games for him. So delighted for him to get this. And the system that Ralph Rangnick is using, I mean, it's not really a 4-2-2-2. It's more like a 4-2-3-1, I feel. Yeah, this um, was this. Yeah, this was more of a conventional thing with like financial as a ten. Yeah, I mean like the four two 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 always makes me a bit anxious to be honest, just because so narrow feels so narrow. But um, yeah, this was a really good win for them against obviously David Moyes West Ham. There's a bit of a needle there because of the job that Moyes did at Old Trafford. But you know, you would have thought both sides have moved on, but I don't think we've moved on quite as much as he has. <laughs> He's enjoying oh, himself. No, I think both are fine. You say that, but I wished um. I wished a West Ham fan before the game made their best team win on Twitter and I hastily deleted it because I'm like, if they find this after the game, they're going to come for me. Um, I thought you said they blocked you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just a really good win for United actually and some mm. really promising signs again. The press is beginning to work, players taking the instruction and some nice fluidity here and there um, in amongst some difficult patches of play. So yeah, great win for United. But towards the very top of the league, because that is where things were genuinely, you know, quite spicy, I would say. A cluster of games here. There was the um, Southampton one-all draw against Manchester City. I thought Southampton were brilliant. They were, actually. And, you know, took the lead through Walker-Peters. Could have been 2-0, actually, disallowed for offside. But just in terms of how they matched up to City, there was a lot of talk before the game. You know, Pep did his famous thing where he sort of praises you. And a couple of people on Twitter noticed this. that like, oh no, Pep's praised us. We're in big trouble. Um, we're going to get thrashing didn't pan out that way at all and this ended up being a good point for City I think oh I think it was a great point for City uh, Southampton unbeaten against City in the league this season two draws and also I think City have only beaten them twice in the last five in the league there was that big 5-2 and there was another 1-0 win for City but Southampton have, on the whole last couple of years haven't done too bad against City mm. I've, I've, <laughs> yeah I, I think I mean Carl Waterspeaker's Walker Peters' his goal was lovely, so lovely. I was watching his post-match interview and he just comes across as like a really good guy. I don't know him, never met him, but just like, you know, when you get a sense of someone just being like, oh, this is really nice. Like just, I don't know. Can I say, it's like, you know, him, him and Lanty, isn't it funny? Mm. We're an era of wholesome right backs. Isn't yeah, it? Like, yeah, there's yeah. something very, very wholesome about him. And the Lanty interview that I saw, uh, it was his first sort of, bit, sort of breakout game and he was just like, he was so friendly and gentle and excitable and like yeah walker peters in the same kind of same kind of ilk maybe maybe right back as a wholesome position i don't know maybe it is there was a really funny thing at full time where ralph hasenhutl tried to have some kind of like bit of bounce with pep pep was having none of it like <laughs> oh, ralph oh. turned around kind of be like kind of like whoa and pep was just like no fuck this we dropped two points <laughs> <laughs> and then went on tv being like amazing 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 one of the best performances of the season and i was just like pep man he gets away with a lot. I think this is actually a really good game of where, without watching the game, when you look at st- stats, they can paint a very different picture of what the game felt like mm. watching it. But yeah, good point for Saints. They've steadied a little bit now. We had, we had concerns about them earlier in the season, but I'm glad that they've normalised a little bit. Isn't it really nice that this comes off the back of the kind of ownership news and all the rest of it? This is a really nice yeah. sort of little period for them. So drop points for City. I don't think it's that bad though. I think it's, I don't think this all of a sudden massively opens up a title race because I don't think the title was done. 
but it doesn't really change a huge amount. No, no, no. Like I think, you know, where are they dropping? You can see Liverpool going on a bit, you know, having a goal rush mm. in a couple of games and the goal difference is only, there's only two goal difference between them. Um, but the question is where to, where, where, where does City lose twice? But it's not, it's not over by any means. Let's talk about, where do you want to go? Do you want to go? Chelsea Spurs very quickly. Chelsea Spurs. Chelsea Spurs. Chelsea Spurs. Okay, so Chelsea Spurs, um, Chelsea just came out after the break. So it was nil-nil at halftime. Chelsea just came out and went to overdrive. That, they really raised the tempo after half. Mm-hmm. Well, not raised it, but just like they distanced themselves. hudson Adoy just went supernova. That was the he thing. Was great. That, was, that was the key. hudson Adoy just attacking space in the final third. There's mm. very, very few defenders um, in the world that can cope with that. And there's even fewer that will actually enjoy that. Um, so he was outstanding. He cut in and just drew the coverage. And then Ziyech just picked out this, oh my goodness. Ziyech so called the top corner. This is like watching Steph Curry from distance. And Ziyech actually, he's a couple of goals, crucial goals now in the last couple of games. Um, mm. Got an important one against Brighton too. And just the curl into the top corner. There's a moment when there are some goals that are worth like an extra half because of like, they stamped the authority on the game. Um, and this is very much one of those. Um, they ended up winning 2-0. They got sort of two goals in fairly quick succession and looked comfortable, actually. They looked like they contained. Yeah. This, was, this was the Chelsea that we saw at the start of the season, minus the goal-scoring form of Lukaku, which is another story. Um, this is the Chelsea we saw at the start of the season and thought, this team is winning the league. Um, and yeah, Lukaku, again, a slightly... Um, Cutting a slightly awkward figure, I would say. Um, he was quite isolated, I thought. Yeah, but isolated, but also like, you can never discern pressure from someone's body language. It's very, well, it's very difficult to discern pressure from someone's body language. But I think expectation is certainly more of a thing than it was when he got there. That injury, I will still say the injury was the bulk of the struggles because yeah, when he was COVID in COVID and yeah, his injury personal co- situation, when he was, when he family. was, I think those primary factors, when, when Lukaku was at the start and locked in, everything was just floating. I mean, was it the three nil win over Villa in the, in the league when he scored the third as a kind of exclamation mm-hmm. mark? That was the kind of Chelsea were cresting and Chilwell wasn't injured yet and all the rest of it. Um, mm. But this felt like very much a return to early season form for Chelsea. So that was great for them. I think Tuchel is, starting to realise that or show a willingness let's say to actually use the personnel and adapt game by game with certain personnel for the opposition as opposed to this is the system we have to get everyone figuring it out how to play it because if you look at Chelsea's squad that's kind of what we were talking about Atleti earlier on that they have some unbelievable pieces and they're super stacked but maybe the fit for certain systems isn't really great mm. and I think what Tuchel has like showed with this kind of slightly weird 4-1-4-1 thing that he played is that actually this really worked for Callum hudson Doy and it really worked for Hakim Ziyech. Maybe where the, the 3-4-3 hasn't before. I think it's, I think it's, I think a 3-4-3 kind of still can work for Callum hudson Doy, but I think in the way that Chelsea play it, it's, it doesn't really. So I think that what, Tuckle is doing here and I wonder whether this is going to be something that we see throughout the rest of the season like it wouldn't surprise me if you saw quite a high turnover of changes game by game by game for Tuckle and maybe even systems because for example if you can bring in uh, Timo Werner 
and Kai Havertz for a game to almost play as maybe like a two up top and just play a straight four four two against some opposition, then do it if it works. Yeah. Uh, if you want to play Lukaku as a lone forward and just really surround him by passes, you know, you can have a Saul, a Kante, a Kovacic, a Jorginho all around him and play really narrow through the middle and then kind of push the fullbacks really high if you want to. You've got the personnel for that. If it's against a side that is going to sit deeper and you can just really like camp in their half. And I want to give Kovacic some credit for this because Kovacic has allowed more flexibility with the way that he's more willing to play on the front foot and play higher up. Oh, well, not play yeah. up, but make those runs. You know, playing in this 4 1 4 1, watching him run with the Bunakuza, he's an unbelievable dribbler, but getting him as close to the goal as possible, I think, is really important because he does break lines. So you have him before, like receiving the ball from centre backs and breaking the press. That is an ability. You have that in the final third. That's unbelievable. And you mm. look at that, that, you know, of those four, Hudson Odoi, Mount is more of a direct runner. He's technically very gifted, but he's more of a direct runner. But certainly Kovacic, Hudson Odoi, and Ziyech, those are three elite dribblers. Like they're yeah. causing problems high up the pitch. We haven't even mentioned Christian Pulisic there and we haven't even, right. like you mentioned Mason Mount, but we didn't really even put him in, a, in anywhere there. So that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an example of like just how stacked Chelsea are. It yeah. gives you so many different ways to play. Chelsea are probably the biggest standalone in terms of having that capability, I think. Right, yeah, no, definitely. No, no, absolutely, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, without question. And it's just whether, and it's whether Tuckle really leans into that or not. It could be, I personally, as a neutral, He's definitely leaning into that. I could found, I, f- I find that potential really, or that possibility really quite interesting actually to see where Chelsea, what Chelsea do tactically for the final few months of the season. They must be a nightmare to coach against in Champions League. They must be an absolute nightmare. This capability makes them so dangerous in that competition. Definitely. Yeah, let's, let's talk about Palace-Liverpool because I thought Palace were really hard done by here and actually played super, like, really quite well apart from that what, opening half an hour. Uh, Liverpool's second and third, I think, are highly questionable. I think the second one's offside. Mm. Firmino is offside. And he deliberately influences play and it should be offside. And I'm not sure how that hasn't been flagged in VAR. <laughs> flagged, ironically. Uh, no pun intended. What did you think about that? I mean, to be honest, I'm, I'm just like an extremist here, but I thought that Frankie de Jong's goal was a bit weird as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and the way that he was like clear. I thought if that's not interfering in terms of the line, because Frankie Dong receives the square pass, having made that run into the box, and people are going like, "Look, that guy's there." Like, um, I, I think that one's that was a little bit different because of the quote unquote phase. So even, I'm I'm very yeah, but I'm, I'm weird with offsides because I'm obviously a bit of an extremist about. See, I, yeah, I think that, and, I think I think the Frankie Dong one is it's spiritually offside. That's right. Thank you. But it's Big, literally onside. But I'm an extremist. So I would tend to, when things are, yeah, I'm like. I no, no, I, I, I hear you on that. I think yeah. it's like, it's not really in, it's a bit like, oh, that's a bit. Really? Mean. Because someone would have you seen Frank so like making the run and go, oh, yeah. he's off. So when the ball comes in, oh, he's off because that, and then you look mm. across and he wasn't given. Um, yeah, that's a good point. But, uh, so, but by Firmino, the laws of the game, yeah, exactly. Frankie was onside. Yeah, I Firmino. By the laws of the game, I think Firmino was off. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I mean, what I will say is that Liverpool are good value for it. They were good value for the win. And I think, mm. I suppose the penalty in the end just helped it. It's always better when like, it's a, more than a single goal margin. Although it was, a, the penalty was, if <laughs> I don't I even mean, know. What was the keeper I supposed I, I saw, I saw that thought myself, but what are you supposed to do as a keeper? Like, didn't you just run into it? Patrick Vieira said after the game, Diogo Jota is 
has been clever there. And I actually went, he's no, he hasn't. Into, he's run into him. I actually don't think Diego Jota has been clever at all because I think it's so blatant. If it wasn't so blatant, then it might have been clever. But I think it was so blatant that it actually really wasn't that clever. This did not look like a penalty. I have to it was say, never a was, penalty. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. never, ever a penalty, ever. Yeah, this is not good. I think we've said this quite a lot of times on the podcast recently, that the technology is there and it is just being used in such a weird way. Yeah, but this is the history of humans and technology, isn't it? Good technology, bad humans. <laughs> not, not bad, <laughs> bad humans, humans, but, but bad, bad, humans. No, yeah, bad application or like, you know, the application is just not the best. But yeah, that was... Um, I'm not a Palace fan. If I was, I'd be extremely sore about that outcome. I thought the penalty, I thought the penalty award was worse than the offside, actually, to be honest. Oh, oh 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the offside is, I think it should have been caught because, the, again, the technology is there. Right. Whether he touches it or not, he still influenced the play. Yeah. Also, though, Palace had chances. Palace had some big chances. I and did, did. really, as harsh as those decisions were on Palace, if you're going to be hypercritical, they shouldn't have mattered. Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's and also, fair. as we know, if one of those goals goes in, the whole pattern of play changes for the rest of the game. You might not even get that penalty shout. So I don't know. It's one of those. I think that's a, a good loss. Yeah, a good loss. How they're playing, their direction of travel, like it's clear what Vieira wants them to do. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. They just had a really, a quietly, um, maybe, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to watch more of their games this season because whenever I pay attention to them, I'm really mm-hmm. impressed by what they're doing over there. Really impressed. Yeah. Before we get to Serie A, and we'll wrap on Serie A, let's just give a quick shout out to, well, the Spider Bundesliga. Pauls Fahl won the Hamburg Derby on Friday night. It was a big, big result. Yeah, that's big for them. Because Pauli were kind of winning that power struggle, actually. Yep. Darmstadt's 2-0 win over Ingolstadt meant that Darmstadt went above St. Pauli to top the table. The top nine of that league in an 18-team league. So that's Half the league, Risa. Half the league. What are they separated by? Nine points. So. Having all played exactly the same amount of fixtures. Now that, everybody, is what I call a league. That is, a that is so chaotic. That is so... <laughs> Best of Liga de Welt. That's what Italy, I need, man. Yeah. <laughs> In the Bundesliga, wins for Bayern and Dortmund meant that it's as you were at the top of the table. And Leverkusen being Augsburg meant they're third. Union beat Gladbach. Gladbach are running an atrocious that run is, of form. That man. is horrible for them. They that are. Is. I'm really quite worried about them. Well, yeah. I don't think they're going to get dragged into it, but they're only four points off an automatic relegation spot. That is terrible given what they have in their squad. That's really, really bad. It is quite bad. The Adi Hutter fit just doesn't look like the right one. It's so weird though, because they're getting these huge wins. They're brilliant against, they're legitimately brilliant against Bayern. Legitimately brilliant. The only club in the world where the fans sing, can we play you every week at Bayern Munich. (laughs) And legitimately so, but they've been such a strange, the, the, the concern for Gladbach is that individual players seem to be going backwards in their mm. development there. That's a concern. But it is easy to forget in all of this, just what an incredible got. We've talked about Urs Fischer before, but is once again, it is incredible that Union Berlin are fourth in the Bundesliga because they do not have the resources. If I looked the other day at their resources and their income, and if it was just on it's income, wild. they should be like halfway up the Zweite Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. 
if Union Berlin qualify for the Champions League, it's wild. My head might fall off. And it's possible. It's absolutely possible. Although RB Leipzig could make a really interesting run at things. I'm looking at that top four and I'm kind of like, I can are see Union and Freiburg. I don't are think- Union and Freiburg going to be in that at the end of the season? I don't think they are. Mm-hmm. But I want them to be. I really genuinely want. I would. I would. The question is, will Leverkusen catfish us again? I mean, they're looking different this year. They're not looking catfishy. Ooh. <laughs> I've just invoked it. <laughs> Do you know who's in trouble? Big time. Wolfsburg. Oh my! They're not generating anything. They are taking a, a strangely similar trajectory to what Werder Bremen did last season, also under Florian Kofeld. Right, right. Oh God, they really could. They really could go down because they you really know what, could, man. I, here's the thing as well: I don't back them in a the playoff. I don't back them because they don't have firepower. They don't have any firepower. And the thing about them as well is they could get stripped for parts. Baku, that team. Baku gets shipped out like because he's an, an asset you can flip. Like, there's a couple of players that could leave that configuration and they're in, they're in trouble, actually. Mm. Uh, let's quickly go to Serie A. Let's wrap. Let's do it. Mainly in Serie A, I want to talk about Tammy because Tammy's on a bit of a run. I think yeah, only, yeah. I think it's since like the beginning of November, only Robert Lewandowski has scored more goals in top five European league. Whoa, whoa. He's, on, he's, he's exploded then. That's wild. That's a lot. Um, uh, what was it? Hang on. Since the, well, let me find the tweet. I should get this right. Here we go. From Opta. Since the start of November 2021, only Robert Lewandowski has scored more non-penalty goals across all competitions than Tammy Abraham among players in the big five European leagues. So Robert Lewandowski has scored 14 non-penalty goals in all competitions since November 2021. Tammy Abraham has scored 13. That is... Do you know, this is incredible for him. I'm so happy for him because... This is a really bold move. Um, and funny to see Mate Niles playing as a number 10. Uh, Love just it. behind him. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, obviously, he's received all the conversations. Obviously, there's a WhatsApp group of which Mate Niles is part. And it's like, should I dip my toe in the water? And Tammy Abraham's obviously like, you come here and run your guts out for Roma, they'll love you. And we've said this before about Roma being a great destination for so many players who are having a mm-hmm. tough time creatively. And for Tammy to do this, like to beat, there is not a point in the last 50 years where it has not been incredibly cool to be a starting number nine for Serie A team. Yeah, like it's, okay. it's one of the coolest jobs in football and it has been for the last 50 years. And for Tammy to be doing that and playing that was such a plum. And just like, the thing I love about his game is it's not just like the goals, it's the link up play. Mm. Like Tammy Abraham at his peak is a full service number nine. Like he is the real the problem, deal. man. And dream on green. When he's, he's already a problem. That dude is already a, prob- a problem. Great footwork from a distance. He can shoot from distance. He has fantastic footwork. He crashes the box. He actually hits the six-yard box, unlike a lot of strikers. Um, he can link up. He can do all of that. Like, and it's mm-hmm. to see him do this, it's such a great validation of the, of the guts it took to move there. Because players leave Chelsea and they can, not to name names, but we've seen play, players leave Chelsea and they plummeted down the leagues. They're not going to rob the green at other clubs, but he's gone there and utterly embraced it and he's done it in a Roma side frankly that aren't that can they're, they're good but they're not that consistent this Roma team and this is a tough team they've had some of the most humiliating losses for a Roma team um, mm-hmm. in recent seasons and he's been at the heart of that and part of me thinks 
what does Tammy Abraham do in a team where everything's firing? You know, because this will, this would have grabbed the attention certainly of other clubs in the league, right? Like mm-hmm. clubs like Inter, clubs like, I mean, see Napoli have got their own nine. Inter, but, you know what, <laughs> but Tammy at Inter. It's not a bad shout because Jekko is, is not a long-term solution to that. He's mm-hmm. brilliant. He's brilliant, Jekko, but he's not a long-term I mean, I want, solution. I want Tammy to stay. Yeah, me too. Also, and also what I would say as well, my respect as well to Roma because I want them to like maximise what they're doing. I want him to be the figurehead of that team. Um, I just think, I suppose I'm just saying that like he would have attracted attention of a lot of competitors too. Yeah. Because the transition, the speed of the transition to Serie A, it's not easy to move to that league and do. Yeah, I think also though, Tammy Streisman is the kind of guy who won't forget what that move has done for him. And I think... Yeah. will remain I think he I think he looks like he I mean we saw it in his first game first game he's doing this you know doing the hand the Italian yeah, hand exactly. gestures, yeah. and he's just like this is a guy who is enjoying being in Rome and I hope it, it continues um, should we bounce let's do it uh, we hope everyone's staying safe staying well getting vaccinated if you can obviously getting that boost if you can um, don't forget to check Wright's house on Wednesday and Stadio will be back on Thursday Stadio Archer's play on Spotify speaking of which playing out on an absolute classic from Dabry Magic says 18 years old this is still sounds like the future anything you want to add Musa Kwonga nothing further nothing further all good all present and correct <laughs> what what are you, are you up hiding to no- I'm up to nothing what are you nothing, nothing, looking, nothing what's he what's he doing nothing nothing if only you could all I see just, what uh, I could see right I'm now. Just, what I'm is just, this mischievous grin? <laughs> what I'm have you happy. done? Nothing. I'm just happy. I'm just happy, right? I'm just happy. Is it because we're finished? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy. Just good vibes. Just as me. Natural good vibes. All right. All right, then. All right. Much love, everyone. We'll be back on Thursday. <laughs> see you then. <laughs>